Hey, welcome everyone to episode 66 of Today in the Scene. I'm Joe with Indie Arcade Wave. And before we get everything started, I just want to say thank you to everyone that's been checking out the channel, liking, sharing, subscribing means the world to us. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. It helps us out a ton. Um, so this week, we're going to talk about a local arcade. And when I say local, I mean by me uh, here in right about Minneapolis. Um, this arcade's called Starcade. We did speak to Brian Armitage a while back in episode 32, who is a part owner um, of this arcade just outside of Minneapolis um, in Roseville. And this week we're going to speak with Paul. He's the one that is generally in the arcade running everything. Um, Brian runs other businesses and kind of provides the arcade. And then uh, Paul's the one that's there all the time. So uh, I guess we'll bring in Paul and kind of ask him a little bit more about himself. How you doing, Paul? Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, I'm glad we were finally able to do it. And um, I love the arcade. I've been over there a couple times. We had GBG there for a little bit. And I know you've added some new games in. Um, but before we jump into all the games, let's just uh, have you introduce yourself and let us know a little bit more about who Paul is. Sure. Uh, my name is Paul Sarnan. Uh, uh, like you had mentioned, I'm one of the three owners at uh, Starcade. So I've got a you know, pretty pretty lengthy background in, in marketing. Uh, I did the agency side marketing for, for about 15 years and uh, got into uh, building startups and uh, kind of entrepreneurship. In that process, I've started and run a, uh, genetic, a genetics company um, currently and uh, have a medical device company that I co-founded as well. So, um, you know, like the other owners, my, my background is pretty diversified and, uh, I'm, I'm constantly busy. So, uh, Starcade actually was, was, is kind of one of, um, one of a couple of businesses for myself as well. Yeah. I mean, you gotta have something fun. It, it always like, anytime Brian hmm. comes up a conversation, it always makes me laugh. Cause it's like, yeah, he's a surgeon, but he also like does arcade right. parts on the side and it's just for fun sort of thing. Yeah, we're all we're uh, all three of us, you know, have medical back uh, backgrounds in some sort, and uh, so it's been. I think we bonded over that experience of of being business owners, you know, and and having that uh, business experience, which I think allowed for making this, you know, this partnership work really well. Uh, as we know, we've seen a lot of arcades that have st- come and gone. Um, uh, it's really easy to get trapped in like your, this is a hobby I want to make into a business and not really right. understand on how to run a business. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I, under, I actually underestimated a bit of, of how to run this business. And it, it's been, it's been a great experience and kind of refresh for me on the retail side to best understand how to, you know, learn best lessons and, and be, be close to our customers and understand, you know, really what makes, uh, Starcade tick, and it is really uh, our customers and our guests that come in every single day, and that's what drives that uh, drives Starcade and makes it what it is. Right. Let's let's talk a little bit more about um, how Starcade came to be. I mean, it, you guys haven't been around for a super long time. I want to say it's been like almost a year, almost a year. Yep, a okay. year in January. Yep. Okay. So just walk us through kind of like what that was like starting the arcade. Yeah, it was. Um, so uh, Brian and Tom and myself, really, it really is kind of started as a conversation uh, that it, it, it was casual and more like, you know, I think a lot of us had machines that were sitting in storage, uh, just really not, you know, getting played or used. 
you know, we've all been to the different arcades across the country and, and really, really loved you know, different aspects of them. I took some time to kind of go around and, and better understand really just, you know, how are they making money? You know, what's possible? What are, because you know, we love doing this stuff, but it takes, we know it's going to take a lot of time. So there had to be, you know, a business model in there that was sustainable because none of us wanted to lose money on this. And, and we knew there was going to be time invested, especially, you know, um, on my part, getting kind of things up and running. So, uh, so there was a little bit of research that went in. I should say a little bit. It was pretty extensive. And I talked to a lot of different people to get, I get a lay of the land and, and, uh, really, you know, we were looking at a space in Fridley originally and looking at sign a lease there next to, I think, what was going to be a tap room. And then literally that uh, that month COVID hit, I uh, mean, it hit big. And we we held back and decided not to open or sign any leases. And uh, as things kind of got um, mellowed out a little bit from a business standpoint, like, you know, we couldn't. We couldn't, uh, nobody could really actively run an arcade. Everything was really shut down for, for quite a while. We um, um, uh, got into conversations with uh, uh, Rosedale and uh, they um, gave us some opportunities to open uh, a location there uh, and made it, you know, kind of really something that we could do that was kind of not risk-free, but, you know, it took some of the risks out of, of that because we had no clue if the gov- if the state was going to shut, shut it down again. So we needed to know, like, hey, if we're going to put all this work of putting all these machines in and getting everything up and running, you know, we, if we got shut down again, can this, can this stop? So Brian, Tom, and I came together. We each kind of overlap in skill sets in some, um, some fashion, but um, really, you know, came together to get the machines in. Um, we started with about 120 machines, I want to say, in the old green mill space at Rosedale, and, uh, and and literally it was just as simple as that. We you know uh, we got everything you know literally plugged in and started marketing on on Facebook and kind of giving people a heads up that we were open. Um, we moved in in November. Uh, we were still uh, we couldn't actually open until January, so it kind of set dormant for about two months. And then uh, opened up, I believe, on January 4th. So literally, um, uh, I, I, I even know who the first customer was that came through the door. So it's pretty awesome. Um, community was really uh, awesome about it. Uh, we didn't really have uh, a ton of expectations because, you know, COVID, again, threw kind of a wrench in any projections and planning. So um it was, it was really like, okay, you know, is this even going to, is this even going to happen? Is it, are people even going to show up? And they absolutely did. And, and it's, it's, it's grown every month ever since. Yeah. I'm really happy to hear that it's, it's growing and it's continuing to get bigger. Cause I remember I was in there and you guys had a great selection of games. Like there were a lot of classics. Um, what's the, there's, there were a handful that were like, pretty rare that i haven't really seen like blood rage is that what the, the fighting oh yeah yep yeah yeah uh, yeah so that's uh that's brian's game yep he laughs he, we we laugh about that game because uh one of the the quirks about the game is it technically was never finished it was the code was never complete so there's there's a bunch of broken pieces <laughs> in the way the game plays um so uh it's it's uh it's, it's one of those games that kind of has, has found its, its way, in, uh, way into the arcade and 
it stuck around. We do refresh uh, through attrition and games going down quite a bit. Uh, I would say it kind of ebbs and flows, but I would say we get a good maybe 10 to 15 games that, that come in and out every month, which I think is probably more than I've seen a lot of other arcades. Uh, some of this just because between the three of us, we have probably over 600 machines. Uh, so there's there's plenty to choose from. Uh, and things are constantly kind of, uh, you know, uh, getting updated and, and things like that. I think, um, again, one of the things I took for granted was just the sheer amount of uh, maintenance that, uh, you know, 100 plus machines takes. Uh, the first, I remember the first week, <laughs> I tell the story a couple, I've told a few people the story. The first week we were open, I think we we lost about twenty five machines that went down, and I, I was I was mortified. I was like, I, I can't believe this is you know. But it's a lot of these machines just hadn't been running twelve hours a day, and that's this is their first really stress test. So I think over the next few months we really were able to kind of catch up and 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 do all the the, the routine maintenance that's required to have these machines run, you know, a twelve hour bursts. And I think again, uh, you know, collecting and having you know t- even even thirty machines in your house, which some people do have, is 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 it gives you kind of a taste of what that's like. But but having over a hundred machines, you know, running twelve hours a day, it's there's really nothing like it. So I think that's one of the things most people that start these businesses, uh, whether it's a barcade model or a free play entry model really underestimate how much time and costs goes into maintaining these machines. Yeah. I mean, you got to consider the fact that these machines are 30, 40 years old. Like Mm -hmm. there's, there's going to have issues. They, they weren't built to last forever. So you got to replace stuff and fix things. Um, I guess kind of along that vein, just go through some of the games that you guys have at Starcade. I know you have a pretty wide selection, just what they can find. Yeah, so I mean, we 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 kind of bill ourselves as uh, games from the '80s and '90s. Um, it does stretch outside of that. Uh, we've had some games from the '70s, like Gunfight. You know, um, uh, obviously Asteroids. Technically, I mean, you probably or, or Space Invaders. We could probably push into the late '70s as well. So we got we got a few Bronze Age games, which you know are they're black and whites, and then you know. Um, your really core '80s and '90s games, a lot of shmups, uh, a lot of beat 'em ups, uh, '90s games. You, we have a, a selection of Konami stuff, so we have a six men X uh, X Men, uh, and that's really super popular. Oddly enough, a couple of the other games that are really really uh, popular at our arcade are uh, Police Trainer, uh, Johnny Nero. Like the light gun games are just they get played all the time. Uh, we have um, um let's see what else is really popular the star wars the star wars uh uh cockpit everybody comes into play all the time so we've got a probably one of the best collections of uh vector games that's available in the midwest for for play that you typically don't see um we've had quite a few early uh vector games from cinematronics come through like tail gunner speed freak um we'll have uh, rip off and star castle probably soon as well we're having those redone uh we're, there's a really really great repair guy that's local that does a lot of those cinematronics vectors as well um and then into the newer stuff um and one of the other funny games that we have we have uh, a four-player uh massively sized virtual tennis uh game 
and that gets played a ton. We got that at auction uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, nobody wanted it because it was so big, but it gets played a ton. And we've also just uh, brought in a DDR machine uh, that's been upgraded to In the Groove. Um, we, we don't technically do a ton of pinball, um, and people ask us uh, a, a lot about that. I'm going to, why do you not do pinball? Are you going to do pinball? And we've gone back and forth about it. Really, the challenge is, uh, from an economic standpoint, is the sheer maintenance cost of pins uh, versus arcade games uh, and uh, investment on that. Um, is We've talked to a lot of arcade owners, and a lot of them um, have kind of advised us to try to, like, you know, be careful about how you approach that. And so, well, we do have a couple pins in there for fun, um, and we've refreshed them a couple times. It's just been kind of a very uh, challenging, I think, from a business model standpoint to, to make that work well. Um, but, you know, I'll never say never because mm, that, that could change too. Yeah, I think pins are definitely like a, a nice part of an arcade. So, mm-hmm. Sometimes you see them, sometimes you don't. It's not the end of the world. But you're right, there's a ton of maintenance. I mean, you got a, a little metal ball flying around doing damage as opposed to an arcade cabinet where like, you're just dealing with the people that are slamming on the sticks and trying to hit buttons. Um, so that's that's not the end of the world, I guess. But um, I'm curious about indie games. I know you there's there's a lot in the Midwest. Like pretty much every sure. indie game you find are they're from the Midwest. Um, you had Galactic Battleground in there for a little yep. bit. What do you yep. guys have in there right now? So right now we've got we've we have a Killer Queen in there. Um, we have been working slowly on trying to develop more of a family friendly type of league environment um and and that's been something that's kind of been on me to try to figure out what that formula looks like and generate that interest i think with covid bringing kids in in in, even smaller kids in elementary and junior high kids has been a little bit challenging so i think we're hoping that picks up a little bit but i'm really fascinated with you know bringing in some of these what's considered indie bar games and barcades that you know, you typically don't see a lot of, you know, kid traffic into kind of a more family friendly environment uh, and seeing how that that uh, works. I, I, you know, outside of that, I'm trying to think if we have any other indie games. Um, we, we're big fans of a lot of uh, the local indie scene and indie games. Uh, and, you know, there may be some development on our part to actually create one, too. But that's, you know, through, you know, that's down the road as well. But um, like I said, huge fan, Galactic Battlegrounds, Cosmotrons, uh, you know, and uh, I, I know there's, there's several others, but there's, uh, you know, we've, we've played them all, love them, you know, um, it's great stuff. Yeah, the, the indie scene's a lot of fun. The games are a ton of fun. And I mean, who knows? We'll see them in more arcades pretty soon here once everything uh, opens up a little bit more and we've got I, more traffic. I get, asked, I get asked about Death Ball too occasionally. Oh, yeah, love Death Ball. Um, that'll, that'll be one that hopefully will make its way over pretty soon. Um, I guess I'm, I'm pretty curious about how you got started on all this. Like the, the arcade scene is, it's pretty niche. Like not a lot of people are into collecting cabinets and repairing cabinets and stuff like that. So kind of give us a, a, a rundown of how you got into that. Where did that passion start? Sure. Um, you know, and I don't know if it started it, uh, any, really any different than anybody else. I mean, I have a background in graphic design. I was a creative director early on in my career. So I would say my first interaction with, and again, I grew up, you know, uh, 
a kid in the 80s going to arcades um it just you know i i think my mom would tell you stories about me as a four-year-old wandering off in our local mall in northern minnesota to our local arcade and i i still to this day can hear you know body blow body blow from you know punch out so you know there there was obviously curiosity and uh, you know passion there early uh and then you know for a lot of reasons and you know you grow up in you, you know owning an arcade game for your own house is just you, you never saw that so i think finally to it got to the point where in my career you know our family had a, a large enough house where i could you know fit a game in the house so um so i, I created a multi-cade it was a four player i was like oh this is great well, i'll make something that plays everything not really not knowing what i was doing but going online and looking at how to how to build it and get the controls and, you know, how do you interface with the computer? And I uh, quickly realized that uh, um, it just didn't feel right. It was fun, but it didn't feel right. And um, it's amazing to me, like, how after all those years, you play a game and go, you know, the control stick or the the joystick or the the lever um, or the switches or the button just doesn't feel right. Then on top of that, I had used an LCD screen just because I had no clue how to, how to, you know, the, the cabinet I bought was already stripped down. It didn't have a CRT monitor in it. It just, it again, wasn't, it, it wasn't that it was horrible. It just didn't feel right. The controls didn't feel right. Uh, but it was, I had, so, so that's kind of really started where I started finding games that I really thought I would like as a, uh, from, from being a kid. And that's really how it's like, I started digging around and realizing, oh, you can buy this stuff. And, uh, and, uh, I went on a couple, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, uh, two, uh, two, you know, collector friends that, you know, Brian being one of them. Um, so I, I had a, um, I'm really good at tracking down stuff like parts in games. And I just kind of like, I had, um, I had some downtime between, between jobs and I, was uh i was just kind of like i just went and started calling uh operators like for in a hundred mile radius just called them all like and you know uh, it wasn't email i just literally called them cold calling everybody and made a list and got got you know got operators to respond back to me and said like can i come and take a look at your stuff and uh, Brian and myself and another um, arcade collector of our friend, Eric, uh, went to Wisconsin uh, from this one operator. And uh, and it, I showed up about five minutes late. And, like, I had no clue what I was looking at. There were parts everywhere. like And, you know, I, it, those guys kind of already knew what everything was. And so they knew what they were getting. And I had no clue. So... It was it was kind of a, a learning experience for me to like okay I need to understand how what all this stuff is like I need to identify that 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 PCB or joystick from like ten feet away in the dark <laughs> and know if I need it or not is is it worthwhile getting things of that nature so um, so I did and I kind of became self taught uh, learned a lot about just all the the stuff in it and uh just i love i love the hunt i love finding new stuff i love finding games that um you know people have never seen before or haven't seen in a long time and, and bringing it out and then just you know even at the arcade uh 
I don't know if anybody ever leaves without a smile on their face. I literally see grown people walk out smiling and it's the best thing ever. That's why we do it. I mean, it is while we're selling, you know, we're selling time with these arcade games and getting to play them. Really, we're selling nostalgia for a lot of people. They come in, they haven't seen this stuff since they were kids. And it brings, it just brings joy to so many people. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the truth. Like, I I, I was a little young and kind of missed the arcade scene. But um, yeah, I mean, even playing things like, like Galaga is in every arcade. And my dad and I played right. that when I was younger. And that's still to this day my favorite arcade game. Like, it, anywhere I go, I just I have to play at least one game on it. I just have to. Um, and yeah, I mean, Brian knows, I don't think I've ever seen that guy not be able to answer a question about an arcade. He right. just knows everything about it. Um, I guess, uh, one of the last things I wanted to ask you, um, uh, just to kind of wrap everything up is what sure. advice would you give to someone that's thinking about starting an arcade? Like there's so many people, like, especially my age that are like, I want to open up, I want to open an sure. arcade. Like, what do I need to do? Um, give them some advice for like what they should do and some things to avoid. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and I've I've started a couple of threads um, on some of the forums as well about because I've had really great um, mentors. You know, we, we have a lot of other arcade owners that have really helped us out with, you know, answering some of those questions. Um, it, opening an arcade is not a um, not a simple business to run. And, and I say that for a lot of reasons. You could um, have the machines. um but not have the money or the resources to actually, you know, float all the costs that goes into, you know, making the, the arcade work. Um, uh, one of the, the, the best lessons I learned is like, you can't, you really, it's really hard to make an arcade. You know, when I say it, when I talk about arcades, uh, I'm talking specifically free play models. I can't speak uh, to a barcade model because we don't sell, you know, uh, alcohol and, and that business model works a lot differently but um on a free play model really kind of there's not a exact magic number but you have to be around 75 to 80 games minimum to drive enough traffic to make it worthwhile and that requires a certain amount of square footage so i mean for example the original starcade square footage before we added on the party room an additional 30 or 40 games was you know roughly about 4,000 square feet and that was pushing it so, I mean, you have to know, you know, you need to find a space that's low cost as well. If you have 80 to 90 games, people will come to you. Uh, you don't have to have high foot traffic areas and high foot traffic um, uh, retail is really high price per square foot. So keeping that price down is important uh, for your longevity, because if you have to pay a high rent per month, that means there's no margin left. And um you know, really understand what your costs are going to be. Uh, don't underestimate uh, maintenance costs. I, I think we, uh, we we earmark probably on average about $3,000 a month for just maintenance. Uh, that's uh, parts and, you know, service time. Uh, and, and all of us can fix the games, um, but we have additional help as well. Um, I, I don't know how some of the other arcades, arcades do it, um, but I think it does go down over time, but we're constantly cycling in a bunch of new games. Um, so uh, just really just get your costs in order and understand how much it's going to cost you per month. And, and like I said, if, if anybody is interested in, in those numbers, it was really helpful for me to understand the economics of it. 
Um, because once I understood that, I understood that this is doable and, um, you know, you know what you have to, you know what you have to make in order to, uh, you know, have to, uh, in order to, to make a profit and nobody wants to lose money at this. Uh, again, it is a passion for us, but we're all, we're all in this, we're, we're business owners, you know, we can't do it for free forever. Um, so, you know, again, I think that's really some of the lessons that I've learned and, 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 and it's a marathon, not a sprint. So uh, I've also seen, and, and I've come close at times, you know, I mean, I think you mentioned I was there. I was at the arcade 70 hours, 80 hours a week, some, some weeks. Um, it's not quite like that now. And, and I've had to pull back from some of my other um, business endeavors, but it's easy to get burnt out. And I've seen that with a lot of other arcade owners too. It's like, you're, you're there all the time. And it, it's hard to have perspective if you're constantly there. Um, so it's good to, to be able to pull back and let some other people do day-to-day operations, but you can't be away forever because getting away from that customer, getting away from your guests that's there, uh, it, it, you, you, stop, you start losing perspective of uh, what they want and what helps, you know, um, you know, you know what, the, what does your customer base really asking for? So we really, really, I mean, I really spent a lot of time trying to understand, you know, who is our customer? Why do they come? What games are they looking for? And and we've tried, I think, to the best of our ability to, you know, cater to to the people that are asking for certain things. If I hear, like I heard DDR for months, can can you guys get a DDR machine in? And I was like, we have one, we just need to get it fixed. And we figured it out and brought it in. And um you know, one game I'm I'm hearing over and over again now that we're trying to track down is Joust. So that's another one that's that's on the docket. But yeah, I mean, uh, you get, even if you don't have a game someone's looking for, we've got about 149 other games that you can uh, you can play. So there's really never nobody's ever sad. Yeah, I mean that sounds like good advice to me. It's you got to know your customer, you got to be smart about your costs, just know your overhead, things like I mean standard business stuff. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean I really appreciate you coming on here and I just want to before we wrap everything up just shout out the social media accounts so people can find you guys um as well as where the arcade is. Sure, yeah, we're with Starcade uh on Facebook and we have an Instagram account. Um uh, and uh, we're at Rosedale Center in Roseville, Minnesota. And uh, yeah, come on down. About 150 plus games from the 80s and 90s. Fifteen dollars, all you can play. Uh, we're usually, uh, we're open uh, Wednesday through Sunday. Uh, we do private parties and events on Mondays and Tuesdays, which most arcades don't do. So you can rent the whole arcade, or you can rent the party room while we're open on the other days. And uh, can't wait for you to come down and say hi. Awesome. Well, I'm going to throw those links down in the description so that everybody can check them out. Uh, I just want to say thank you again, Paul, for coming on here. I really appreciate it. Um, Love to share the arcades in the area because, I mean, Starcade's fun. They got a bunch of good games, and I really enjoyed the time that I was there. Um, Yeah, we thank you so much for having us on. We love what we do. we're, We're here for you guys. Just let us know how we can help. Awesome. Yeah, anybody that's still watching, if you haven't liked, shared, or subscribed yet, do that. I really appreciate it. Um, And until next time, Peace.